Alright everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Barely Backcountry Podcast. Today we got Chris Neville on. He is part of the Go Hunt team. He's the one bringing you all those awesome videos that Go Hunt puts out. And he's also a big hunter, so we have some good conversations kind of about elk hunting, um, some of the different draw systems for different states, talked about some good archery gear and some other hunting gear. Um, but I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, before I get you guys into the podcast real quick if you want to check out the podcast social media it's barely underscore backcountry underscore podcast on instagram and then my personal is c.dillashaw but without any further ado i will get you into the conversation with chris neville all right guys this is another episode of the barely backcountry podcast today we got chris neville on he's one of the go hunt guys responsible for bringing you all those awesome go hunt films he's also a big hunter and all that fun stuff but if you want to introduce yourself and then we'll get started yeah, kind of like Caleb said, Chris Neville been working at Go Hunt for five years now. I'm in charge of all the video content that we produce, whether that's Instagram reels, marketing ads, all the YouTube content that most people are familiar with. But yeah, that's kind of kind of my realm, and my specialty is video content for Go Hunt. And then, as as Caleb mentioned, I'm also diehard hunter. Try to go out in many hunts every single year. And it's probably my favorite thing to do is some backcountry hunting for sure. Nice. How did you get into hunting? I know you kind of started with some Midwest whitetails, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up in Iowa and I started hunting when I was 12 years old. That's when you legally can start hunting by yourself. And my no, no one in my family hunts. So I had to, I had to go through all the hunter safety. And once I passed that, I was able to go go hunting on myself at the age of 12 so yeah I was I started archery hunting it's kind of like the main thing to do in Iowa and obviously big white tails is the name of the game in that state and I was fortunate to have some good property behind my house that we owned and had a lot of success shooting whitetail and as I grew older I think with a lot of people back east you start to get the the urge to kind of go west and yep. try your luck out there kind of a bigger better adventure yeah and as as that grew uh yeah i started going like over-the-counter elk hunts and then found my way after college ended up working for go hunt and then 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 the gates were open and that's all i was doing is western hunting nice nice and you started you started filming your hunts pretty early on right with your brother yeah yeah so i was always I always had a video camera in my hand running around the woods. You know, a lot of this just kind of messing around and just having videos to edit and just kind of look back on. And I, I know back in the day, a lot of hunters, uh, we always watched the outdoor channel. So that was like the, our motivation is we always wanted to be like the guys on the outdoor channel filming hunts. So that was, that was another reason why we always just brought our, our camera with us and hopefully someday be on the outdoor channel nice cool and what so you said what some of your first western hunts were like over the counter elk hunts yeah i think my first i was probably i'd say i was probably 20 years old my brother and i went out to colorado did the over the counter stuff and that was a real wake-up call let me tell you i think i think for the most part it was like just choosing just kind of like knowing what gear to bring and like how to use it and what made sense. There, there's definitely a learning curve from from whitetail hunting 
to going out west on like a true backcountry hunt over the counter in Colorado. It's it's pretty tough. Yeah, definitely. So what? I guess if somebody was in your situation, somebody who's a Midwest hunter, um, what kind of advice do you have for them that somebody that wants to come back or out West, I guess, what's your advice? I would probably just start by, you know, if you know anybody that's been Western hunting, you know, reach out, reach out to them, ask them as much questions as possible. I know like Brady, for example, and even myself and trail, like a lot of the guys, we get we get a lot of people, you know, asking us questions in DMs, and I think most of most of the people I know are pretty good at answering the DMs and getting back to people, and you know, helping them on what pack to use, what makes sense, what doesn't make sense for gear. Yeah. And then other than that, I just you know read as many different articles as possible. YouTube's a great place. I mean, I've learned most of what I do from youtube you know there's a lot of good educational content out there whether that's choosing the right gear or just you know even how to find animals where to locate animals mm-hmm. All right. yeah just trying to soak in as much information as possible and i think you'll be you'll be better off and then just going out there and doing it you'll learn a, t- a ton from just like that first experience and the next time you go out it'll be that much better so you know taking in as much information as possible and then just doing it going out there and doing it i think it's the quickest way to learn because you'll make plenty of mistakes and you can learn from those real quick yeah absolutely do you think you made a good choice doing colorado over the counter elk as your first western hunters or would you recommend somebody go a different path um i mean if you want to jump in dive in right off the bat i mean it's it's definitely it's it's about as rugged and remote is if you want to make it and over the counter yeah. elk it's it's it can be a tough hunt but it can also be a really good hunt depending on the area i think i think it is a good spot to kind of you know cut your teeth on if you're really wanting to be like a backcountry kind of hunter i think it's a great great start to do especially from the midwest it's one of the closer states just to like drive to yeah but if you just kind of wanted to get one under your belt i always recommend for first time people just kind of want to go out west and have like a good time would be like an antelope hunt just because the success rates are pretty high yep i wouldn't i wouldn't say it's the most difficult hunt you're definitely going to see animals and yeah that's that's one i always recommend if you if someone just wants to go out and like you're going to have a better hunt if you go antelope hunting versus if you go over the counter colorado elk if you've never done it before absolutely yeah, there's so a opportunity with yeah. animals. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you'll, I mean, I haven't done, I've, I've never had an antelope tag on my own, but I've been around them enough. I mean, you see an antelope, you blow the stock, and 30 minutes later, you're going to find another one. So, yeah. Yeah. So, which is good too, because I, especially like stocking skills. Yep. You know, a lot of, a lot of people from the Midwest don't necessarily, you know, practice that as much. Yeah. And like, like you're saying on antelope hunt, you know, you can do a hundred stocks a day if you want. Yeah. The the more, the more times you mess up, the more times you're going to learn from it and you'll just end up getting better. And I I think both, both like an over the counter elk hunt and like an antelope hunt, you'll, you'll take away a lot of stuff from both those hunts that'll make you a better Western hunter and then keep building on that and then doing, doing more hunts out West. 
Absolutely. So going back into kind of like the filming hunt thing, um, I know at Go Hunt you didn't do too, or you don't do too much of the actual filming, right? You guys still hire a bunch of camera guys and stuff, or have you done some of the filming for it? Yeah, so back in the day, probably like when I first started, you know, we didn't have – it was basically just me on the video team. Uh-huh. So I was I was doing a lot of videoing, like the stuff that you'd see on our YouTube, like gear review videos and editing a lot of those. And then slowly as we've grown, we've kind of built out a team. And, yeah, I'm mostly doing more producing than I am, like video editing and video filming. Nice. And same, same, same goes with like Go Hunt Originals. Uh huh. Yeah, and then a, a lot of those hunts. Now that we're doing so many of them, I have like a team of freelancers that I use consistently over the years, and people that I know that are dependable, and I have those guys go on a lot of the filmed hunts. So during that time, it's like a lot of scheduling of freelancers and giving them shot list and kind of what hunts are going on, when they're going. So for somebody. I mean, filming hunts has kind of become a more popular thing over the last few years. If somebody wants to start filming their hunts, what kind of advice do you have for them as far as being able to tell the story, get the right shots, get the right equipment, all that stuff? I think uh, kind of like I was saying before, YouTube is a great resource, especially for filming. There's a ton of videos on like how to self-film, you know, which cameras do you, which cameras should I get? I think for like video and filming, I mean, it doesn't get much better for YouTube if you want to learn pretty quickly. And then yeah, I think, I think the biggest thing is just getting a camera and going out there and doing it. I I, I think learning from experience is your best way to learn Absolutely. really anything. And I, and I, I mean, you're not going to be great at the beginning, but You'll, you'll figure it out. And I always tell people they should, they should edit right away. Get in. Cause you don't know what you really have until you start editing. And then you kind of uh-huh. know what, sh- what shots to get because you're editing the footage. Yeah. And the, the more you edit, then the better you get at telling a story because you understand like what it takes on the back end to tell a good story by editing. So then you're <laughs> going to get the better shots out in the field. Cause you, you know how to tell a story. Yeah, so my, my biggest recommendation is to, you know, look at look up as many much information on YouTube and then I highly recommend that anyone that wants to like do any filming that they should be learning how to edit at the same time. It's just going to make you a better a better filmer cuz you know, you know how to kind of what to do with that footage to make something that you're looking for. Nice. Are there anything like when you like watch hunting videos on youtube and all that stuff what are like the things like when you watch them what are like the things that like annoy you like if somebody <sighs> doesn't tell a story properly or gets strong lighting or i'm sure you have those little pet peeves that are pretty common on some filmed hunts uh i mean i think there's i think there's different styles to a lot of stuff across youtube and i don't really yeah. i'm not really like against one or the other like some people like one or the other I, my thing is my thing is usually just like length, like just cause more stuff could be cut out. Yeah. Like just, just a lot of like dull space or something that doesn't advance the story. It's usually kind of like stuff that I like to just cut out instead of just having something to have something. Yeah. Like I, I always say there's, if you're going to have something in, in a film, like 
there should be meaning behind it or it should somehow still be advancing the story or telling the story instead of just like putting footage in there to put footage in there. Yeah. But I mean, for the most part, cause there's, and that's the thing is like, there's different styles to how you want to do your films. And I'm not saying one's right over the other. Uh-huh. It's like, you can see both are super successful on YouTube. Like our going originals are a little more produced documentary style films and people love those. And then you look at, you know, like the hunting public and the born and raised and love those guys. And I, I watch all their stuff too. And it's, it's more of a vlog taking you along the hunt, Uh not as well produced, but it's still, it's still a great story in its own way. Absolutely. Cool, man. Well, kind of getting off the filming stuff real quick. Uh, it sounds like you've had a pretty successful 2022 hunting season so far. Yeah, I got so much damn elk meat, I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> uh, I got I got enough elk meat for like three years, I think. <laughs> That's a good problem to have. Yeah, yeah. So we, I went down to New Mexico with trail in September. We drew some some archery tags down there. And I was fortunate. I think it's like the sixth or seventh day I shot a bull, my big, my biggest bull that I've shot so far, which was awesome. I was, that was like the one hunt that I was super excited about this year is yeah. New, New Mexico, just cause I've heard a lot of stories. People are like, Oh, you can't beat New Mexico. Well, like the rut's crazy. I probably uh-huh. had like too high of expectations. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely, it was definitely a good hunt, but I think, and like the area where we were in wasn't like super like trophy class. It was uh-huh. kind of like an, e- an easier one to draw, but still like 20% chance of drawing. Yeah. But, but yeah, we got into one and nice. shot it at 40 yards and down he went. Yeah. How was it? I, w- I know you've done quite a bit of hunting with trail. How is it hunting with trail? Cause I've heard stories where he just will try to kill you with his <sighs> death hikes. Oh Yeah. I mean that's why we like that's why we're good hunters together because we're both we're both pretty similar in like this style, yeah. That we we like to hunt. Like my motto is like I never try to worry about packing out an animal until it's dead. Yeah. And I, th- I think if any if everyone thinks like that, I think you'll push yourself. Absolutely. And not not be because I think that's the biggest thing with elk. People are always worried like, oh, if I shoot it seven miles back, like how am I going to get it out? Yeah. And so and so far. From what I found, you always get it out. There's always a way. Yeah. Like it might take you a long ass time to get it out, but you'll always, you'll always end up getting it out. And yeah, he's definitely, you know, I've been fortunate to be able to hunt with like Brady and Trail, people like that who are, you know, have been doing it a lot longer than me. And, it, and like just being able to be with them and hunt, I think my learning curve to like Western hunting isn't probably quite as steep as most just because I've learned so much from those guys. Yeah. Cause like, I mean, you can learn a ton from going with really knowledgeable people. Like you don't even, you don't even have to ask them questions. Like you just watch them and how they go and then you kind of figure things out. So Definitely. Yeah, it's been pretty, it's been pretty, pretty nice. And I'm pretty fortunate to be able to, to hunt and then kind of trail and I have since our first time going, we kind of had a bond and, our, our same similar styles, similar mindset. We both like archery, elk, backcountry. Yeah. So, so it kind of works well together, and it's always a good time going with trail out there, the elk master. 
How far in were you in New Mexico when you killed that bull? Oh, uh, we're it was actually the closest one we had so far. I think we're like two <laughs> nice. miles. Nice. Yeah, that was the that was the closest one we've had. Which yeah. which is the one good thing about you know going to places where it's like limited entry pegs. There's not as many people. You yeah. can usually find you can usually find elk a little bit easier. Don't have to go six miles in to find them, but yeah. It's always a backbreaker. Every time I get up to one of them, I'm like, God damn it. Yep. The elk are so big. Just ginormous. Yeah. Yeah, they are they are big animals. I haven't been lucky enough to, to even have a bull tag yet, but the two cows that I've killed, I mean, those are a lot smaller than bulls, but even those ones those ones yeah. will hurt you. But yeah, big ones. Yeah. And then I went to uh I went to Wyoming. I drew a Wyoming general elk tag. My brother and I was zero points this year. We got super lucky. Nice. Yeah, we drew it with zero points. And then we went up there for the rifle tag. I think we were like the second week of October. We shot we shot two elk on the same day. <laughs> and that and that was a lot of work. It took it took us like three days to hike it out. Oh. Yeah, that was a lot of work. A lot of a lot of meat chopping. Yeah. Were you far back in there for that one, or was that it was just? It was probably like it was probably like four. It's probably four miles. Yeah, that's there. There's there's one spot where it's like it was two miles. You're basically just going over this giant mountain, Uh and once you get on the backside, there's a ton of elk over there. Okay, but like getting getting up this giant mountain is like two miles, two thousand feet vertical. So it's just like straight up. Yeah. But we knew once you get up there, you're already up on top. You're hunting right behind it, and then the pack out, you go down. Yeah, those two miles, two thousand feet vertical. But yeah, it was it was quite a hole, and it's things like that. A lot of times, I like look for yeah like, spots that I'm going to just because it's like a barrier to entry a little bit. Absolutely, because like most most people see that and they're like, oh my god, I gotta hike two miles straight up a mountain to even get to anywhere good. So it's it's certain things like that if you look for, you know, you can kind of use in your advantage. And for that, like if you think about it, at least I'm going to be packing everything down. Yeah, I don't have to, which is a good good thing. Yeah, but most mostly horses. That's all I ever seen Wyoming. Everyone's got a damn horse in Wyoming. Really? Oh my god! Everywhere, <laughs> everywhere, everywhere you go. Nice. But yeah, luckily. Nice. Luckily, there wasn't too many people out there on that one since it was like it was like two or three weeks into the rifle season, and it seems like out there in Wyoming, everyone likes to hammer the first that first week of opener. Yeah, nice. And Wyoming's one is Wyoming State. You can use that tag in archery and then go back in and rifle if you don't kill one in archery, right? Yeah, yeah. So you you draw you go into the draw for a general a general tag. And once you draw, it's a it's a general rifle tag. And once you draw that tag, you can buy an archery stamp. So that allows you to go hunt the archery season in Wyoming in the general units. And if you don't okay. shoot anything during archery, you can go back during rifle, which is – it's pretty cool because it allows you, you know, it allows you more time and more chances to be successful. And it allows you for, like, scheduling. It gives you a lot more flexibility and, like, Oh, if I if I don't have time in September, I can go, you know, 
sometime in the month of October, which is really cool. Absolutely. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I wish more states had that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's it's getting fewer and fewer. Yep. Yeah, the opportunity is definitely definitely becoming less and less, especially for non-residents. Yeah. Wyoming is what supposed to make some big changes here pretty soon that is going to basically make it almost impossible for non-residents to draw a tag. Yeah, I've seen a, yeah, I've seen a couple proposed changes. The most recent one I saw is they're going to be breaking it up into region. So okay. They, instead of like right now, so all the general units in Wyoming, you know, there's 20 or more general units that you can go to if you have a general tag. Yeah. And the most recent one I saw is they're proposing where you're going to have to pick a region. So it'll be like a clump of like two or three general units. So if you draw that region, you can only hunt those two or three general units instead of the whole, all the different general yeah. areas, which we'll see. I get, I mean, I get what they're trying to do. They just don't want it. They just kind of want to make people pick areas and then they'll have a quota for each of those areas. So it's not like some spots are over hunted compared to other spots, but I think if they should do that for non-residents, they should do that for residents because I think all the residents hunt in the same spot. Yeah. They're the ones causing most of the problems. Everyone in Wyoming hunts. Yeah, definitely. Nice, man. So what else did you have this hunting season? Did you have a third elk hunt or just those two? I had just those two. What else did I do? I'm trying to think. Oh... Did I do a deer hunt? No, I didn't. I got a barber. Oh, I got a Barbary sheep hunt. I also got in New Mexico. You've done that already? That's upcoming. No, no, that's upcoming. So I'm going, I think it's January 26th is when I'm going on that. Nice. Yeah. So I've never done any, any of the Barbary sheep. So that'll be, that will be an interesting one for sure. Yeah. It looks like a ton of fun. Did you draw that tag or is that the over the counter one? Yeah. Yeah, Trill and I drew that tag too. We were lucky in New Mexico this year. Yeah. <laughs> finally. Finally some luck. Usually I don't usually I'm not the most lucky when it comes to drawing some stuff, but nice. Are you gonna take your bow or rifle for that, that hunt? It's any weapon. I might take both. Yeah. See how I'm see how I'm feeling during the moment of truth. Nice. Have you guys been over there scouting for it yet? Have found any sheep or no, we haven't. Jared, you know Jared in the office. He's got yeah. he drew he drew the same unit just the one season before ours. So okay, I'm hoping he can snag us some intel and tell us what he saw when he was out there. Nice, cool man. You got a spring bear on the plans for next year, also. I'm assuming. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to figure out what I want to do. I'm just it's this time of year. I'm always like, all yep. right, now I gotta. It comes so quick. I gotta start figuring out what my hunts are gonna be for next year. Yeah, but yeah. I, I do. I like a spring hunt's always a good time, just because like you don't have anything going on. Yep. Good time to get out there and shoot something. Yeah. Nice. What about you? You gonna you gonna do a bear hunt? Um, I mean, I'd love to. I don't know if I don't know if I'm gonna have the time or the money to be able to make it up to Idaho or Montana, but. I would definitely love to, um, but I couldn't fill my rifle coos tag a couple months ago, so I still have my over-the-counter tag 
that's going to open up here in a couple of weeks in December for deer in Arizona. Um, and then I'll probably hunt that through January. I have an archery javelina tag in January, but other than that, just planning for next year. Um, I'm probably going to go to Colorado for a, a deer and elk hunt. Um, do like the third season deer and then getting over the counter elk at the same time. But yeah, yeah, might as well. Yeah, try to Did jump it. on for Idaho here in a couple of days. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Idaho always gets me. I had a, I had an Idaho deer tag this year, but I didn't end up I end up turning it back. Yeah, just just because I had so many other hunts I was doing. Nice. I don't know Idaho. I get mixed feelings about. Yeah, I re- it's always the one thing that is always nice is you you can always guarantee you have a tag in your pocket right off the bat. Yep. But the deer hunting, from what I've heard, is pretty tough. Yeah, it seems like Brady goes out there every year, and <laughs> he doesn't see a lot. He'll shoot some, but he doesn't. Seems like it's a it's a fairly tough hunt. Yeah, I know. I know the elks. The elks hunting is still pretty decent, but yeah, that's it's, just, it's just it's just figuring out if you have what your other hunts are going to be for the year. But you can always return it and get some of your money back. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough trying to plan out all these hunts and waiting to see what you drew and then doing next the next dates and all that. But yeah, the to... hardest part is all they take so much of your damn money. Yeah, and they hold it for three months. <laughs> yeah, those states that take all your money up front, those are the tough ones. I always tell everyone you just got to get a you just literally have to get a separate card. Yeah, just a s- separate credit card just for applications. Because yeah. it can stack up in a hurry. Yeah. I mean, especially like New Mexico. If you apply for everything in New Mexico as a non-resident, it's like knocking on the door ten grand, isn't it? Yeah. Something stupid like that. Yeah. 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 It's yeah, New Mexico is definitely a pricey one. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. That's a, I'm a fan of the way, you know, Nevada does their draw and Arizona and all that stuff. They don't take all your yeah. money up front and Right, and they do the and they draw your tags quick. Yeah, that is nice. The one thing I don't well, like about Arizona though is they'll hit your card like on the date right after the draw closes, but then it's like two weeks until the results come out. Yeah, <laughs> it's like all right. I knew I drew something. I would like to start planning for this hunt already, but right, you never you never knew. It's like God, what did I put in for again? Oh yeah, I put in for these units. Huh, I wonder which yeah. one I got. Yeah. I don't know. Yep. You got any more like of kind of like those big adventure hunts? Like I know you went to Alaska of oh, last year. Yeah, last year I went up there. Yeah, I'm looking I'm looking back at Alaska for something this year. It's kind of my game plan. Yeah. That's what I'm still still trying to figure out. Nice. Yeah, Trell and I have been talking about maybe doing a moose hunt. That would talked be about cool. possibly Possibly doing some like blacktail hunting on Kodiak Island. I heard is a really fun one. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, Alaska. Alaska yeah. definitely on the on the bucket list for me. I'd like to get up there at some point in the next few years. Yeah, I'd I'd recommend it. I, Alaska is the ultimate hunting destination. It's yeah. a hunter's paradise. Yeah, it's. I went up there and it's like you instantly like, oh my god, I gotta get back up here. 
Yeah. It, it doesn't get much better. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, as of right now, doing what you guys did last year is probably at the top of my list for hunts. Yeah. I mean, you could even do a, like, the, the cheaper route is to just do a caribou hunt and just go, like, up the, rent a car and drive up the Dalton Highway. Yeah. And there's a bunch of public land. They even have, like, certain areas that are, like, archery only. Yeah, I've seen those. Yeah, that, I've seen those videos where guys just drive up the highway and they just get out, go stalk yeah. caribou, and yeah, I know. I know sometimes it can be, it can be kind of tricky, but I know I know people that have had a lot of good success on those hunts too. And you're in Alaska, so that's the best part. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you guys thinking about doing the fly-in thing again, or um, for the for the moose, we'd probably just do like a. Charles, he's done it before. He just basically rents a raft, and you just pick a stretch of river, and you just float down the river. Nice. Yeah. So it's a little, it's a little bit, a little bit cheaper than flying. Cause that, that's mostly where all your cost, your costs come from in Alaska. Is you're is flying. It? Oh yeah. Like the tags really aren't that expensive. They're not too much different than down here in the lower 48 it's just all of your plane travel logistics if you're trying to get somewhere way the hell out there yeah it gets expensive that's why if you just do like a you know the dalton highway or you just float down a hunk of river yeah you can save a little bit of money on flight cost yeah either that or get a get your pilot's license yeah that or you get your pilot's license and fly yourself yeah that would be that'd be nice. We're gonna have to talk to Jared on that one. I know he was always talking about getting his pilots. Pilot yeah, license. come on, come on, Jared. We need it, bud. <laughs> need you to think about the team here. Yes, <laughs> we need it bad. What? You gonna get back to Iowa anytime soon? And sit in a tree stand, or I applied for I applied for it this year. I've been I've been collecting points. Yeah, yeah. So I was actually, it's fairly similar to you know applying out west like it takes you three or four preference points to draw a tag they have they had the whole state broken up in different regions so yeah i actually put in this year i i think i had three points okay and i didn't draw but i should be i should be getting pretty close with four points nice. yeah I, i've been getting the white tail itch i've been wanting to go shoot some white tail yeah pretty bad the probably like last year and this year so I, I might even put in for like a kansas hunt yeah nice either go that or nebraska iowa missouri yeah. Nice. yeah i think i'm gonna try to do some more some more whitetail hunts in november next year is kind of my plan nice what it i've always i've done one whitetail hunt and i wasn't a fan of it so what is it that like drives you guys to hunt these whitetail all the time like because i cannot do sitting in a tree stand it is not my favorite thing yeah i mean it's probably just because that's what i that's kind of like what i grew up with so i I, it's something like i appreciate sitting in a stand and you know just being outside yeah watching watching things walk by and then i mean if you're in a if you're in a pretty good spot and you're seeing deer yeah consistently like it's 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 pretty it's pretty fun but yeah, I can see it's definitely a little bit tricky if you're not if you're not used to sitting and waiting, and then if you don't see anything, 
and it's freezing cold at the same time. <laughs> yeah. But like sitting in a stand in November and deer just rutting all around you. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's like up up there and like one of my favorite favorites for sure. Nice. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'd like to experience that whitetail rut. It's the same thing with hunting coos deer down here in Arizona. Like, I did that hunt a month or so ago, and, I mean, certainly not my favorite thing in the world, but I feel like it didn't, I mean, just seeing does and spikes for three, four days straight didn't really give it a fair shot, so. Right. I'll probably get out and do it again, but, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Something about this little deer don't, don't do it for me. No, that's why I have a problem going coos deer hunting. Yeah. Because it's like, you wouldn't even think about shooting a deer that small in Iowa. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm with you. I like uh, I like big antlers. Yep. Yeah, I don't think anything will ever top elk hunting for me. Nope. Yeah, is... That's yeah. what I always give Brady shit about that, too. Yep. Yeah, I don't get it, the whole deer hunting thing. Like, mule deer are cool, but I don't know. Elk hunting is definitely definitely the top for me and this was the first year that i kind of got to experience like the elk rut with my early rifle cow tag in nevada they were still running yeah. on that one and that one was it's a ton of fun chasing bugles yeah oh yeah it's it's the best by far and i, I think for me too it's the the mueller hunting is it's definitely it's definitely a little more difficult yeah i wouldn't say i haven't i haven't quite i haven't quite mastered that so it's probably another reason why I don't like doing it as much. Especially like a late season mule deer tag. Yeah. I'm a, I don't have the best of a best <laughs> of luck on those for some reason. Yeah. I got I got I gotta get better at hunting late season mule deer with a rifle. And I yeah. think maybe I'll start liking it some more. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm also I'm self admittedly probably the worst glasser ever. I hate <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> like it's like just like I I can't sit and stand in the tree stand, right? Like I am not one of those guys that could just stare at the same spot on a mountainside for hours <laughs> waiting for one deer to come out. Oh, I feel you on that one. You gotta you gotta get the BTX. That's what Brady says. Yeah, yeah. Maybe just a little four thousand dollar investment that'll fix my glassing habits. Yeah. But, yeah, you'll 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 force yourself to sit behind him then because you spent so much money. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I have to glass hard now. Yeah. What are you What are you running for optic setups? Are you still you were using Vortex, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. So I have a Vortex UHD. Uh, for the most part, I just do a ten by ten by forty two off the chest, and then I usually do like a sixty five for a spotting scope. Yeah. I usually tend to, I usually just like 65 just because it's a little bit lighter. Uh-huh. And for the most part, you know, a lot of times I'm on elk hunts, so I don't need like a ton of magnification to see if it's big or not. Yeah. Plus I'm not, I'm not at the point that I'm like super picky where I'm like worried about a couple inches here and there. Yep. So I'm, I'm perfectly fine with like having a little bit lighter optic and then less magnification. And then for the 10 by 42s, I mean, for, for off the chest, I think they're the best you can possibly have just due to, like, their field of view, their ease of use. There's no shaking when you're freehanding. Like, yeah. I seem to find more game with 10 by 42s even on a tripod over, like, a 12 by 50 binocular. I agree. I 
I've used tens forever. And this year when I drew that coos tag, I was thinking I'm going to want something with some higher magnification. So I grabbed my brother's set of 12s and I used those pretty much all hunting season. And I'm definitely going to be going back to the tens for next year. I, I agree. I think I find way more game with a set of tens. Yeah. Oh yeah. hundred percent. And then like, I would, I'd honestly just skip the 12 by fifties. If you wanted like a bigger, bigger magnification, I would just go to the 15s. Yeah. I mean, I have a pair of 15s and those things are a real treat. Let me tell you. Oh yeah. Yeah. Being able but, to use some high magnification with both eyes is definitely, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Those things are really nice, but yeah. 10 by 42s are my go-to. And I just like them for like, even when you're just walking around, you know, there's a lot of times you just like quickly pull up your binoculars to like see if you see something or I feel like you'll, you'll tend to find more like that with a 10 by 42 over a 12 by 50, just cause it won't be a shaky. Yeah. Nice. Well, yeah, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not running too crazy of optics like, no. uh, like Brady does, No, but there, that is probably too, because I do more elk hunting than I do deer hunting, and you don't need as crazy of optics. Definitely, definitely. What uh, what other gear are you messing around with this this year? Did you try anything new? Any new, new boots, new packs, anything like that? Or I tried. Uh, I did a new tent this year. So usually I run the the Stone Glacier. It's like the ULT tarp. Yep. That whole system. I've run that. I still really do like that system. It's super light. The only thing is it, it does take a, a little bit longer to put up just because it's a two trekking pole pitch. Yeah. So I'm, I try, I wanted to try out the, the new Argali TPs. Nice. So I had the, I had the two person Argali TP, which is just a single pole. Putting up TPs are to me, I find to be easier than like your, your typical tarp. Just, okay. you know, you just set out your four and then like, especially the Argali one, it's made in a, like a rectangle shape. Okay. So you just set up your rectangle and then you have your post in the middle and then you just do the, do the other ones. And it's, it's pretty quick up and down, putting it up and down. Yeah. And then it's, it's, it's super lightweight at the same time. Nice. Are you using it for? Yeah. Yeah. I was doing, I was doing floorless and I just have a. I actually had the stone glacier, the ULT tarp, like ground sheet. Yeah. Yeah. I was about doing like one of those floorless tarps and stuff just for the weight saving. But like every time I think about it, my mind just immediately goes to like, there's bugs and spiders in my sleeping bag now. Yeah. And I don't like that. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's not too bad. I haven't, and when I was taking it out elk hunting this year, like I ran into a couple pretty good rainstorms. Yeah. And didn't didn't have any issues, so nice. I definitely and it and it was it was probably more room, definitely more room for like inside my tent, like or if I did have to hang out for a while. Yeah, because that the stone glacier, the ULT tarp, it's pretty it's pretty tight, but that thing yeah. is is about as lightweight as you can get. Yeah, I do like that design. Even the full setup, like if you go to the vestibule and the floor and all that stuff, it's still a super light setup on there yeah 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 it's and then i'm trying to think what else i used that was different um boots i did some i did the hanwag makra combi which is it's a pretty popular boot most people have tried it out yeah i've never run it so i I tried it out this year and i was 
I was super impressed with that boot. It's nice. fairly stiff. It's a synthetic upper. I try to stay away from leather as much as I can. I yeah. The best. I haven't had the best luck. I feel like leather is just a little too much maintenance for me. I'm pretty like set it down and forget it. Yep. So yeah, those Honolulu marker combos, I think they're like a stiffness four. So they're pretty stiff. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're pretty lightweight just because of that synthetic material, which that's usually like what I'm trying to look for is like a stiff, lightweight boot. Yeah. It's my, it's kind of my go-to. Yeah. I, I messed around with those Alverstones pretty much this whole season. I, I liked those a lot, but yeah. Yeah. Dude, I, when I first started Western hunting, I'm always like, Oh, I hate stiff boots. Like I can't wear stiff boots. Yeah. And the more, the more hunts I've gone on, the more I've done it. Stiff boots in the long, they're, they're going to help you more out on the hunt. Like they're going to do more work for you than you realize. Absolutely. Like yeah. a lot of times you'll feel like your calves are getting tired or like the back of your, your like Achilles are getting tired when you're hiking. That's just because your ankle and your foot's working more because your boots not as stiff. Whereas if you have a stiffer boot, then your foot and ankle don't work as much because you have that better support. And then you're like, you won't get as much fatigue in like your calves and the back of your Achilles. Yeah. Yeah. I've kind of, I went to like the full extreme with like the, the super stiff. It was the Salewa Raven, which is like mm-hmm. a five or something like that. Um, super stiff boot. And I still like that for like those super like technical mountain hunts, but I've kind of landed like that Alverstone is like right in the middle of the road for stiffness. And that's kind of where for 90% of the hunts I find I end up grabbing that boot. Yeah. The super, I've kind of done the same as you've gotten like super stiff and it's like, oof. the thing that was super, the super stiff boots that I don't think people realize is like, they think they have to break them in, but like, I mean, you have to break those things in. Yeah. Like it's almost like a year of use break in kind of thing. Yeah. But, and yeah, I'm, I, I like that. Like, like our scale stiffness five is like as stiff as it gets. I like a four stiffness seems to be yep. kind of my wheelhouse. But other than that, I'm trying to think of any other new gear. I think that that was kind of like the main ones, but I'm usually running new boots every single year. Just, just because yeah. I like boots. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to be shooting the new Matthews, that phase four next year? Or are you sticking with the V3X? I got, I got the phase four sitting in my, sitting in my house right now. I haven't set it up yet though. Oh. Have you at least shot it yet? Do you know how? I haven't even shot it. Oh, I, I, I like it. it. I, I mean, yeah, I've heard like trails, you know, I was, he, he got his at the same time and he got, he's been shooting his. And, yeah. And then with, with their new limb design now, it's like eight limbs and they got their rubber damper going all the way through the middle of it. Yeah. He says, he says it's even more quiet and more dead in the hand, which. Absolutely. It's pretty crazy that that can still even be a thing, like more quiet, more dead in the hand. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, that was kind of the only two complaints that some people had with last year's Matthews was some of them were a little loud, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, that phase four, I mean, I mean, people complain because it's, you know, almost an identical bow to last year, but it's like they did so good with that V3X that. Yeah. I mean, as far as, as far as sizing, like the, the 33 axle axle is like, you know, that 33, the 34 is right in my wheelhouse. I shoot a 29 and a half inch draw. Yeah. 
you know, it seems to be a good string angle for my nose. Nothing, nothing super steep or they were for a while there. They're trying to make their bows so damn short. Yep. I got like a stronger, longer draw length, a little bit taller. It's like that string angle would drive me crazy. Yeah. But yeah, it seems like, it seems like that 33 is like pretty ideal for, for my, my sizing. And yeah. if you look at them, like I'm looking at them both right now, they'd look almost identical. Yeah. Their, their new stabilizer system is pretty cool. I will say. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's certainly a little pricey, but it definitely, I mean, it, it is a nice system for sure. Yeah. It's but. how it's, it's integrated into uh they kind of take that, they take that same technology they did with the site. Yep. Just made it as the, as the stabilizer, which I've been super impressed with, with all of that being more like obviously in the center of the bow. Yeah. Makes it a little easier to balance. And yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I got to get that thing set up and yeah. Start shooting it. Definitely. Yeah. And it's tough. Cause like, I think we're kind of getting to the point of bows where it's like, you can't really take them much further unless you want to start crossing that line of being unethical during archery season. I think. Right. I know. That's right. That's what I think every year. I'm like, what, what can they do now? Yeah. So what can they possibly do next? Yeah. But they always, they always have something up their sleeve. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we're that far away from like 70 pound bows getting the same speeds as crossbows. Oh yeah. I know. Right. Yeah, like, well, I mean, even some of the new speed bows are like 350 plus, and most crossbows are around 400, so it ain't that far off. Yeah, that is cooking. Yeah, but <laughs> you were messing around with the TRX for a little bit, weren't you, that 34? Yeah, yep, I have, I have the TRX 34 too. I wish yep. I would have got like, uh, I have 70 pound limbs on it. I wish I would have got like 60 pound limbs. Yeah. it's a, It's got a different... A different draw cycle yeah it's a it's a little bit trickier to pull back and like for what i want to do with it like i just want to shoot like targets and mm-hmm. you know pretty relaxed you know target shooting put some big bars on it that kind of stuff so yeah I'm, i might switch out the limbs and do do some uh do some 60 pounders yeah but i, I mean uh... as, as far as sizing again that i mean it's a pretty it's a pretty cool crossover bow if you want because you could definitely take it hunting and you could yeah. definitely use it as a target bow which is yeah yeah i got a i got a trx the 38 waiting for me back in vegas and i uh i ordered that one in 70 pounds and i'm hoping i didn't mess up but uh you'll be fine you're, yeah. you're stronger than me caleb <laughs> can always turn it down turn yeah it down. that's right but yeah, I'm excited to get that set up, and I'm going to try to do some, like, actual, like, competitions and stuff next year. I might go and shoot Vegas, and there's some 3D series down here in Arizona that I'm going to shoot, so. Yeah, I started I – sh- I shot some 300 – I shot quite a bit of 300 faces uh, last year during the winter. Yeah. And I, and that was, like, the first time I really done it, and I really enjoyed it. Like, it's – yeah, it's definitely. It's definitely a good way to get like really fine tuned and get that much better because you can actually see, you know, where you're just barely missing and you shoot a lot more. And yeah, I think I think it's really good practice to, like, if you think you're like a good shooter and then you do that a bunch, 
Oh yeah. And just kind of like, like kind of to push you to a, a different level and yep. like push you a little bit further to practice harder and yeah, be a little more focused on like what's working, what's not working. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, when it comes to like shooting an actual like Vegas, Vegas round, it is so much more of a mental game. Yeah. Like, it, it is so frustrating. Like I, I don't like shooting indoor competitions at all just because it's like, I mean, I probably have the skill to shoot a 300 because I'll shoot three or four ends, you know, at the beginning, all perfect. And then you drop that one point and then you just are dropping points everywhere. Right. And it is the most frustrating thing ever. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then I was, when I did the podcast with uh, Kellen Morgan from Inside Out Precision, he brought up a good point. He's like, you make a bad shot and then you go grab your arrows and walk back and you turn around and you get to look at that shot the whole time now. Like, I know that's like, always the biggest thing with me is like that, walking. that first, that first round putting in good holes. So then you yep. can at least, it seems like you, you tend to follow the holes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely aim at a hole a lot better than you do. Yeah. Just a blank face. And aiming at the yellow, like the, it's a lot, it's a lot different than you think. Like, I remember the first time I did that, I'm like, God damn, this is kind of hard to yeah, to aim at. Yeah. Have you ever done it, like, tried it on, like, a single spot target versus the three spot? Uh-uh. A single spot is so much easier. Like Really? Yeah. So it's, like, most, like, Vegas faces, they have the three spot on the front. And right. Some of them, you can flip them over, there's a single spot. Like, when I was working at Impact for – a while or so like i'd just shoot whatever target was left hanging up and if somebody had a single spot up there like i would just be shooting tens all day and then i'd throw up a three spot to try and shoot for score and it was just all over the place like a single spot is so much easier to aim at but i don't let's know why on, let's do the single yeah did you put a, a lens on your trx a magnified lens at all or just Mm-mm. yeah i was i was just shooting a single pin Nice single pin. I think I got. I want to say it's my spot hog. Okay. I did one. I, I did buy a bunch of the AXL sights. Yeah. Which I like. I probably like those better than this. I have. A, I have probably like two or three spot hogs. Yeah. And I switched over this year, and I will say that the AXL sights are probably a little bit better. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean Excel. I mean they're a they're a target company that's making hunting parts. So everything is a lot yeah. more tuned than, than. And they're lighter. Those yeah. Damn spot hogs are heavy as hell. Yeah, they are. Yeah. That's what I'm shooting now is that two pin fast Eddie. I like it, but it's it is big, definitely heavy. It is a big sight. But are you for your elk hunting? Are you shooting like the double pin? Or are you going to a five pin slider? Or I did this year. I did a three pin slider on the axle. Okay. Yeah, I did this. I really like a three pin. You can cover, you know, because I figure your average shot on an elk is probably 30 yards. Yeah. You know, most of the time you're going to be in pretty close range. And if you're not, you'll be in the timber or something where getting the further shots a little more tricky. Yeah. So I like that like 20, 30, 40, so I can reach out to 40. Yep. And then, and then I have the slider. So if I do need to, you know, shoot further than forty, I can easily adjust for that. So yeah, you know, and I I've done them all. I've done the, 
I shot elk with the double pin, and I really, I really like the double pin. Yeah. You know, I'd usually set it like at a, I'd set my first pin at like 25. Okay. So, and then, uh, so then my, my second pin was like at 40, which was pretty nice. It's usually like a 15 yard difference. Yeah. Which, I mean, it was pretty good, but yeah, having that third pin, I think is probably a little bit better just because you never know what yardage the elk's coming in. They tend to pick all sorts of different paths and you have a lot of different options of shooting holes. Yeah. So it's a little bit nicer. You don't actually have to dial in your sight. You can kind of, you know, pin gap for the most part with that three pin. And I'm, I'm a big, I, like my big thing is I don't like, I don't like too much clutter. Yeah. Like trail has like a five pin. I, I just can't do it. it. Too many pins. And then I like forget which pins, what yardage it is. And, it's just too much too much clutter in my my side house so i i usually would do like the double or the the three pin yeah yeah i'm gonna see how this double pin works out in january for like over the counter deer and javelina but i got a feeling i'm gonna switch back to like a somewhere in the three to five pin slider range yeah yeah and i actually this year i used uh expandable on elk too which ones you shoot I shoot. I shot the Sever one and a half. Do you like those? Oh, bud, it torched it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've gone to just pretty much just shooting expandables. Also, I mean, if you get a good expandable these days, like it's gonna open up for you, and it just it flies so much better than a fixed blade. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And this one, this elk, it was forty yards. It might have been quartering to me, just like a hair, and I put that thing like. If you go like straight up from its from its leg, you're going straight up, and it's like perfectly middle in the body. Like that's where I hit it. Yeah, and it went. It went almost all the way through. Like the it, the the it was sticking out on the other side, and he ran thirty yards down. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. You can't argue with like the the damage that an expandable does. Like, is so much more than any fixed blade out there. And trail, so he's he's been using those severs one and a half as well. And then on that on that caribou hunt, uh-huh. he shot he shot a caribou, and it was frontal with the sever. Yeah, killed it. And then this elk he shot this year in Utah was also frontal with the sever. Yeah, and they're both like fairly like healthy shots, like fifty yards plus. Dang. So it's like they they definitely can penetrate yeah i mean my thing is too is if you hit it where you're aiming then yeah you should be pretty good (laughs) yeah that's why i haven't i don't go too much into like the super heavy arrow setup it's like i'd rather just hit it where i'm aiming and be able to shoot a little bit further also so oh yeah 100 percent. but cool man well i won't keep you on here too much longer i know you got some meetings and stuff to go to this afternoon but Two questions I ask everybody before I let them go is one for a book recommendation. So is there a book that is kind of always at the top of your list for you or? Um, I actually really like, uh, the the one that I've read that I've, you know, I remember when I was like living in Iowa was Cam Haynes back country. Yep. The the one that's like super popular. Yeah. And And it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty damn good book absolutely to get you motivated to do you know a western hunt if you're you know thinking about it or if you're on the fence about it 
it's yeah. a it's a pretty good motivating book to to get you out there for sure. Yeah. Have you read his new one? No, I have. I heard it's great though. It is really good. Yeah. Yeah, I like that book a lot. Yeah, I've heard from a bunch of people. They said it's a really good book. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, his first book, that backcountry bow hunting, I think. But yeah. Yeah, when I first got into hunting, I ordered that book and read it, and then I'll always go back to it, like, going into a, a hunt or something like that. Like, I'll just go back and reread the elk section or the deer section or whatever I need to and try to learn just one more little thing. Right, for sure. But Cool, man. And then last question is for a guest recommendation, somebody you think would have a good story or be able to teach people or something like that. You got you to gotta get trail on. I do. I haven't. No. No, I definitely need to get get him on though. He's he's the know it all when it comes to hunting and gear. Yeah. For sure. He's the guy, and his name's Trail. So his name is Trail. It's Trail and Forest. So yes, it is. He's got it all. (laughs) He's got it all going for him. But but yeah, Trails. I mean. A lot of the guys at the office, like whether it was, you know, Brady or you or Trail, like when you guys would leave for a hunt, it was always like, yeah, you guys are for sure going to kill something. And if Trail goes on an elk hunt, he's going to kill something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So cool, man. Well, before I let you go, how can uh, how can people find you? Yeah, the I guess the best way would probably just be Instagram. That's probably what I'm on the most. So that's uh, CJ Neville 23 is my Instagram handle. If anyone has any questions for me, I usually check my DMs fairly regular. Sometimes some slip, but yeah, you can reach out to me there and I'll I'll get back to you. Cool, man. All right. Well, any last words before I let you go? That's all I got, buddy. All right. Sounds good. Well, I will talk to you later and hope you have a good rest of your hunting season into January with all that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. Good luck in the applications. coming up and hopefully we can get some good tags yep hopefully you're number one on idaho here in a couple days yeah fingers crossed (laughs) fingers crossed cool man all right well yeah later caleb all right guys i hope you guys enjoyed the podcast with chris neville i know i certainly did um chris if you're listening thank you again for coming on hopefully we can get out and maybe do some hunting together sometime or at least meet up again um but real quick before I let you guys go, if you guys want to check out the podcast social media, it's barely underscore backcountry underscore podcast on Instagram. And then my personal is c.dillashaw. I think that covers it for this week. Make sure you guys give the podcast a like, a follow, and a share to anybody who you think might enjoy it. And I will see you guys next week. Thank you.